power and authority that God has. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. How much faith? Mustard seeds worth of faith. Praise God. I'm thankful to be here. I'm obviously uh, thankful to be here with my wife, who you have just now meeting for the first time. I'm no stranger, but um, I'm glad that she's here with me now. So new addition to the family. Um, so happy to see so many familiar faces, some new ones. Uh, but I will get to know all of you as, as time goes on. Um, thankful to be here with my family. Of course, Pastor and Sister Shostran, I've, I've known them. He started to say, met him. And I was thinking, was it an three, four hours after I was born? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it wasn't long. So they've known me all my life, definitely have uh, had an incredible impact on my life uh, among so many that have been impacted um, by them. And I'm very grateful to have them, to call them family, and to call them great spiritual mentors, advisors, examples that you can look up to. You have the best. I, I, I hate to, I'm just, you know, I'm just telling you, you have the best. I'll leave it at that. I want to bring your attention tonight to, uh, to a passage of Scripture that has meant a lot to me. Uh, we're going to be reading from 2 Kings tonight. And 2 Kings, they already have it queued up. Hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter 2, and we'll start at verse 8. Very familiar passage of scripture for many of us. And it starts out, And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they, went, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion... Turn to your neighbor and say, double portion. double portion. Double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Next verse. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about that generation. That generation. Let's ask the Lord one more time to bless his word to our hearts. Lord, thank you for another opportunity to come into your house. We don't take it for granted, God. Lord, every service is an opportunity for you to do the miraculous, to do the impossible, to do what you specialize in. Tonight is no exception. I ask that you let our hearts and our minds be open to receive a word from you. Let it go forth and prosper for the purpose that you have for it. Let hearts be touched. Bless us tonight, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. This story, we know it and have heard it many, many times. Um, it's a very powerful story. And we often quote it in terms of Elisha asking for the double portion of Elijah's power with God, of his anointing. And we all want more from God. I don't think that anyone would say that uh, it's not admirable to want more. So 
if you read on the story, and I'm not going to read all the scriptures, Elisha goes on from that place after Elijah is taken up. Um, and he gets Elijah's mantle, goes on, goes back to the Jordan River uh, where had, they had come from previously. And he smites it. He, he strikes down with the mantle of Elijah and says, where is the God of Elijah? And the story goes on. The river parts again, just as it did for Elijah. And back a few verses uh, when... When Elijah is taken up, we see Elisha say, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now, my father here in this context refers to Elijah, not the heavenly father uh, by no means. But this is referring to the relationship that Elisha had to Elijah as Elijah being his mentor, his teacher. Elisha was particularly close to Elijah, even among those from the schools of the prophets that the scriptures reference. And uh, the Bible says in that same second chapter early on that three times Elijah says, depart from me, it's time for me to go, it's time. And Elisha won't leave his side. He said, I, I'm not leaving. He followed him wherever he went and he would not leave. Now, in Hebrew custom and culture, there was a very particular way that things happen when a father would pass away or leave the earth. And there was a very particular uh, blessing. He was to bless his children, but there was a special blessing for the firstborn. And the Hebrews attached a unique blessing that is referred to as the birthright. The birthright would go to the firstborn son, and it denotes special privileges and advantages of the firstborn, that he has an inheritance that the other children don't that he inherited the judicial authority of the father. And traditionally, he was also supposed, also supposed to be the, the priest of the family, the, the spiritual leader of the family. So when we see in verse 9 of this chapter that Elisha asked for a double portion, that particular phrase, what he's asking for, the double portion, actually references the blessing of a firstborn in Hebrew culture. Deuteronomy, verse, chapter 21, verse 17, talks about a father by giving him a firstborn, a double portion of all that the father hath, for he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. So a portion of the father's property, a double portion, was the right of the eldest son. And so when Elisha asked for twice as much of Elijah's spirit, of the anointing that Elijah had on his life, he asked for twice as much as should be inherited by any of the other followers of Elijah or sons of the prophets, as the scripture says. So Elisha here simply claimed to be acknowledged as Elijah's essential firstborn spiritual son or pupil. He's asking for a double portion. Give me the firstborn's portion. Give me a double portion of your anointing, of your spirit. He claimed that blessing for himself. He claimed it for himself. And Elijah actually didn't say, you're going to have it. He actually still left it up to God and said, well, if you see me when I depart, then you'll receive the blessing. So Elisha is asking for no little thing. He's asking for a lot. He wants more than Elijah even had. He, he, he wants to have a special, unique authority and power with God. 
It's time for the people of God. It's time for the church to claim some things in the kingdom. There's been many of us that have been attacked. We're being attacked as a society, as a nation. We're being attacked by spirits, wickedness in high places. We've been attacked personally in our own families. It is time for the people of God to stand up and claim their rightful heritage, their inheritance. It's time to speak to things that are not as though they are. It's time for us to stand up and have the faith that we admire so much about the people in the Bible. It's time for us to actually act on what we say. It's time for us to hear the Word of God and to go out and live it and believe it. You say, but I'm not the firstborn. I'm, I'm not a firstborn. I want to direct your attention briefly to uh, Matthew chapter 3. In this chapter, I'm going to paraphrase, Jesus in this chapter is baptized by John the Baptist. He goes to him and says, baptize me. And we know the, uh, the discussion that happens. John the Baptist said, I should be baptized by you. Not, you don't, I can't baptize you. And uh, Jesus, of course, says, no, this has to be done for all things. And afterward, after John submits, does what Jesus says, baptizes him, the voice of the Lord, when Jesus comes out of the water, the voice of the Lord says out loud, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That, thus validating Jesus as God in flesh. Thus validating his identity. And immediately after this, stay with me, immediately after this, the very next verse in fact, chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus goes up to be tempted of the devil. And of course we know he's fasting for 40 days. His body is very weak. He's Emotionally, I mean, how, how many know your body can affect your emotions and your spirit? Okay. Very physically, emotionally drained. Likely spiritually too, but he's praying. He's, he's, keeping, he's keeping the word, his identity, deep within him. The first words that Satan says after that, If you're the Son of God. The very first words out of his mouth. If you're the Son of God, turn the stones to bread. He uses Jesus' flesh to attack his identity. As if to say, if you're really God's son, questioning his legitimacy as God in flesh, as if Jesus is an illegitimate child, trying to convince him that he's an illegitimate son, that he's fatherless. Satan tells you things that you're not when God says that you are. Satan tries to tell you that you're not the very thing that God says you will be and you can be. If you are the son of God. Throw yourself down and have the angels bear you up, he tells Jesus. And then he goes on to say, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms and shows them all the kingdoms of the, of the earth. In other words, if you acknowledge me as supreme, if you acknowledge me as the authority, if you acknowledge me as the source of power, of dominion on this earth, then I'll give you this. Questioning Jesus' identity as if to deny that he is God in flesh. Denying his identity in God. I'm here to tell you that if the devil can get a man to doubt that he's a child of God, that's the first step on a downward spiral, implying that he'll always approach life and the challenges of life as an orphan. Like he doesn't have a father. No identity, no purpose, no father. And many have an orphan spirit. Even people in church have an orphan spirit. Say, what are you talking about? 
the feeling of inadequacy, the feeling of not being good enough, the feeling of being isolated, alone, unworthy. I don't have power. I can't speak, to, I can't speak the word of God. I can't go up and testify because I'm, I've done too much. I've sinned too great. I'm unworthy. I don't have any control over the things in my life. Believing that I don't have a father. And, and some people in here tonight may have been physically adopted or, or orphaned. But I'm here to tell you that when the devil convinces you that you're a nobody, you have to, absolutely have to remind yourself that you do have a father and that he's the father like no other. He's our heavenly father. And that even though the devil says you're not worthy, Jesus says, plead the blood of Jesus, repent, and I'll make you worthy to be in my presence. You don't have to have the perfect pedigree. You don't have to have a sinless background. The Bible says all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's not asking for you to be perfect. He's asking for you to acknowledge him. You acknowledge that you are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You acknowledge that he's your father. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one who appoints kings among men. He's the one who says, step forward. I have a calling for you. Step forward. Come to me. I have a blessing for you. I'm here to tell you, he loves his children. You're not alone. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How do you become a son of God? Be led by the Spirit. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Folks, we, we, we weren't born into perfect grace with God. We were born into sin. Every last one of us. But thanks be to God, he has adopted us. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God. You have a heritage. You have an inheritance. Anytime you feel like you're being attacked and you feel like you're alone and nobody and you don't have a father, that's when you look up to the King of Kings and say, Abba, Father, Lord, you, you're my source. You're the one who gives me an inheritance. You're the one who dictates what I can be. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if heirs of God, then joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The scripture says that Jesus became the firstborn among the brethren. The right and authority of the priest, of the family, of the church. The power of the firstborn with Jesus. Romans 8.29 says, for those God for." For knew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Aren't you thankful you're a part of the family of God? Aren't you thankful that you can look at your, your person, whoever's sitting next to you? Aren't you thankful you can come into a peaceful place of worship and know that these people are your family? When everyone else has abandoned you, you know your family, your heavenly father has not abandoned you. I'm going to read a few scriptures now from Colossians chapter 1. We'll start at verse 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us 
and to the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminent. Aren't you thankful Jesus rose again on the third day that allowed us to have a new birth experience, allowed us to have what we feel in here today? Yes. If you don't feel it yet, you will. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So, the scripture talks about our heavenly Father and how we do have a Father. 2 Corinthians says, and, I, and he will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. John says, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse let me read this to you. Now all these things happened unto them by way of example and are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. All these things that are happening around us, we've had unbelievable, unprecedented times with, with pestilence and with virus and with Things happening in the world, an unrest, a wars, rumors of wars. I, I, I don't think anyone would, who's a believer would say this is not the way it has been. This is different. So my question to you is, are we that generation? What generation? Some people believe that, technically speaking, the clock started ticking for humanity living in the end days after the resurrection and ascension of Christ 2,000 years ago. But how close the clock is to hitting midnight, the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. And we've seen in recent weeks on social media all of the, the, the terrible things and the wickedness and the devil running rampant in society and, and generating spirits of violence and of hate and of division. And that's not of God. Many have likened the coronavirus pandemic to the prophecies of plague and pestilence in the book of Revelation. And I, if, if you, and we're going to read some scriptures in a minute, it, it's very scary when you start reading the things that the Bible prophesies about and you look around you. It's very scary to, to think, oh my goodness, this is actually happening. I mean, but what it should, what it should do for us what it should do for us is not instill fear. It should not instill a, a, a spirit of anxiety. But rather, it should let, let us rem, remember. Let it be a reminder to us to look up. 
to our Father and say, God, it's coming. It's time. There is not a time to waste. There's not a second. There's not a day. There's not a service that I should just be idle in my spirit any longer. There's no more time for me to just sit down and not, and not allow God to have authority in my life. I can't keep doing things the way I've always been doing them. I can't just keep coming into service and just sitting and saying, well, it's just another Sunday. I'm just going through the motion. It's time for us to get out of the mindset of habit when it comes to the things of God and the things of the kingdom. It's time for us to get truly on fire for the things of God. It's time for us to stand up in this dark, dark world and be the light that God intended for us to be. This is not a time for the church to stand in fear, to cower in fear, to be silent. It's time for us to say, Jesus is the one that you need. He's the one that you need right now in this dark, fearful hour. He's the one who is the healer. By his stripes we're healed. By his blood we have redemption and deliverance. Jesus Scripture says, answered them, began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And we sh when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, here's what he said, Be ye not troubled. That's hard to do. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For, the nation, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Oh, God, help us. I mean, I, I think we're there. I, I, no man knows the day nor the hour, but I can tell you we're closer than they were 100 years ago. We're that much closer than they were 2,000 years ago. We're that much closer to the coming of Jesus. And it's time for the church to say, you know what? Devil, I've had enough. I've had enough of you, of you dominating all of my, my time, my, my, my mind. I'm tired of this fear that is crippling me every day that I go to work, that I wake up. Every day that I lay my head on my pillow at night. Satan, you will not have another minute, another minute of my mind. Because greater is he that is in me. Because I'm a child of the king. I am not my own. I'm bought and paid for with a price. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I know who I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm washed in the blood. Someone lift your hands right now and just give him thanks for the cleansing blood of Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us and what you're going to do. Thank you, God, for healing and delivering and saving In the book of Revelation, I'm going to go through some of these very, very quickly, just through a, a few scriptures in Revelation, and I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Um, Revelation chapter 6 the, talks about the seals, the seven seals, and the first one, the, the writer introduces the Antichrist onto the scene, riding a white horse, and he wears a crown and will deceive many with talks of peace, but he will wage war with the saints. I, I don't know, I mean, I'm... Don't know who the Antichrist is, but I, if he is alive now, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know. But I definitely think there has been attacks against the body of Christ, against the church. That's very clear. The second seal, despite the promises of peace, war breaks out, and a red, red rider on a horse slays a great number of people. The third seal, this is Revelation 6 and 5, for those who are trying to follow along and read it down. I know I'm going quickly. A black horse, a rider on a black horse, spreads famine throughout the earth. And whatever population is left from after all the wars, 
they have to survive by very little, bare means of food. A fourth seal is death riding again on a pale horse, and many, many people, um, it, it says wipes out one-fourth of the earth. Many people have, have postulated that, well, was that back in the 14th century with the bubonic plague? And some of these say, I, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, but we're, we're seeing more and more things that are reminiscent of, of what the Scripture talks about. Fifth seal, those martyred will ask God how long until he judges the earth. They're told a little while longer, and they're given a white robe. And um, then goes on, sixth seal, natural events, catastrophic events, rattling earthquakes, sun turning black, moon turning blood red, and all these things. And then seventh seal, silence fills the heaven. And I'm, I'm going to skip through this quickly. Then in chapter 8, talks about the seven trumpets. Hail, fire, blood will rain down on the earth and wipe out one-third of all plant life and burning mountains, falling in the seas. Star called wormwood poisons a third of all freshwater supply, a third of the moon, stars, sun, dark. All these things that, you know, signs and, and just and really, really alarming things. And, and many of which I would say that if we pay attention and if we stay in tune with the Spirit, we would say are happening around us. And, and the sun turning to darkness and the moon to blood was actually prophesied in, back in Joel. Uh, Joel 2, 31 and 32. And um, the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. God is going to have his way on this earth. And I'm very thankful that I'm in the body of Christ. But I can tell you, for those of us that are here tonight, we're not the only ones that God wants to, to save. He died for all men. He shed his blood for all men. More than any time prior, more than anything, more than ever before, we as the people who are here tonight have to allow God to move in us and lead us in the Spirit to others. Because all the things happening, and I just skimmed through some of them in Revelation, all, all, all these things that is, are prophesied and, and we see happening around us, this is just the beginning, as Jesus said. And it is indicative of the end being near. And that should not scare any of us, as I said. But rather, it should raise us up within our spirit. And not just to, to it should encourage us to get to the house of God and, and to live for God like never before. But folks, we are called to be apostles everywhere that we go. You're not on your job just for you to make a living. You're not, you don't go to get up and go to work every day just to get a paycheck. And while that is the way provision happens on this planet, on this earth, and while that's the way we trade and you have to have money and all of that, and I, I get all that, that is not your true purpose. Your purpose is to spread the light of Jesus. Your purpose is to proclaim the gospel to everyone around you. Your purpose is to, what did Jesus say? Greater works than these shall ye do. He said, out of his own mouth, all the things that you've seen, Greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because 
Times are going to keep getting times are going to keep getting worse. The devil is going to run rampant on the earth, but I will be with you and you will do my will on the earth. Folks, it's not too late for anyone. There's always hope. Don't give up on your loved one. Don't give up on your son or daughter. Don't be in despair. You're not alone when you go to work. You're not alone as the only one in your family who comes to church. God is with you. You have a family with you who can lift you up in prayer. The Bible says where two or more are gathered together in my name, there will I be. Folks, every time we come into the church, this is a chance for us to get renewed in the Holy Ghost. So that when we leave the doors, only what people see is not just Jonathan Tackett. It's Jesus Christ. It's the love of the King of Kings. It's the love of the Savior that says, you know what, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. There's blood for that. There's blood to cover that. It doesn't matter what lifestyle you lead. I'm telling you right now, Jesus can turn anyone's life around. There is no sin too great that the blood can't cover. There is no one who's walked too far that the God that I know can't reach him. There's no one who ever has spoken an evil word or done an evil thing that God can't forgive. He came and died for all of us. It is our calling to go to the world and to spread what we know and what we feel. You say, but I'm not worthy. I don't know enough. I'm not a Bible scholar. Well, honey, I'm not either. But guess what? You know more than they do. Think about it. You know more than they do. You say, well, I don't, there are people who can quote scriptures and people atheists that can quote scriptures. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I know what God's done for me. He changed this guy right here. He turned my life around. He protected me when I didn't even know I needed protection. All you have to do is tell your testimony. The Bible says that by the word of your testimony, the devil will be defeated. There's power in your testimony. Well, but I didn't get delivered from drugs like so-and-so. You have your own testimony. And the Lord sends you to tell your testimony to someone who needs to hear it. We have got to stop acting like, well, I just can't do this. It is time for us to stand up and say, I will not stand for the devil having dominion in my life anymore. I will not stand for him having dominion in my family anymore. I am going to petition. I'm going to get on my knees every hour of every day if I have to, to see my family back in church, to see my family saved. I don't care what it takes. There's no cost that's too great. Jesus paid the eternal cost. He died for us so we don't have to. Guess what? There's power when you get on your knees and call out to him. There's power when you plead the blood of Jesus. There's power when you say the name that's above every name. There's power when you speak the name that every knee one day is going to bow to. Whether or not they choose to, it's going to happen. And I'm here to tell you tonight, don't wait another day. Don't let another service pass you by. Whatever needs you have, God's big enough. Whatever wickedness surrounds you, I'm telling you, God is big enough to bring you through it, to bring you out of it. You say, well, what, 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 what do I do? I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I know we have to pray, I have to read my Bible. It's not good enough to just be mediocre anymore. It's not good enough to just keep doing things the way we've always done them. I'm not talking about deviating from the, 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 the tradition of honoring God, and I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about it's not good enough to just be cavalier with an opportunity to touch the throne. It's not, we, 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 we're out of that time. It, this is the end time. The time is now for you to get a double portion. It's not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. I said it's a necessity. You have to be more full now than you've ever been in your whole life because guess what? The darker the world gets, the brighter the light has to shine. And guess what? The brighter we shine, the more that are going to walk into the light. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got the power. It's time to claim your power. It's time to claim your place. As Elisha did, I'm not leaving until I get my blessing. I'm not leaving until I get a firstborn's inheritance. I'm not leaving until I get a double portion. It's time to stand up to the devil and say, I know who I am. I'm not going to be the victim anymore. You don't have power over me because greater is the king of kings that lives in me than you that are in the world. You do not have dominion over me anymore. I'm a child of the king. We have to have effectful, powerful prayer. You have to be praying every day. You have to, we, we, we have to seek for demonstrations of the Spirit, of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We have to have more than previous generations that have had before. Because guess what? We are that generation. We are that generation. The Bible says greater works. He, he, said, he said, in the end times, all the signs, wonders, miracles shall follow them that believe. You say, well, I, I prayed for people a whole bunch and for them to get healing and they didn't get healed. Oh, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more that the devil would like than for you to go, well, it didn't work last time, therefore I'm not going to pray this time. When you've done all that you can to stand, you just keep standing. When you've prayed a thousand times, you just keep praying. You say, well, it feels like the heavens are brass and they're just, my prayers are just bouncing off. No, they're not, honey. The devil, excuse me, it's God himself hears every last prayer. The devil would have you believe that God's not listening to you, that he doesn't care. But that is the biggest lie from the pit. God hears every prayer. The first prayer you ever prayed, the first time you said, Lord, I need help, I need deliverance, he heard you. You say, well, why hasn't it happened yet? You know, I, I, I can't tell you why, but maybe it just needs to be the, the case that you need to seek God a little bit harder. You say, well, you're making me feel bad, brother. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you, it's time for us to have more than we've had before. It's time to pray harder than we have before. This is not time to get lazy in the church. This is not time to stand aside and say, well, I, I just, you know, I'm just going to stand back and, uh, you know, whatever happens, I'm, I'm just going to... Come to the Lord and hallelujah. That was a great song. Thank you, Jesus. No, it's time to go out and be bold. It's not time to be quiet anymore. I'm not talking about evil things. I'm not talking about going around condemning people. And say, well, what about people... In sin, people doing this, 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 this. Folks, we, we all know. Uh, but for the grace of God, where would any of us be? We all have a testimony. And it may not be, may not seemingly be as bad as other people. But I can tell you, all of us need the grace and mercy of Jesus. All of us need the blood. And he died for that person that you despise at work. <laughs> He died for him, even though I, I, I have him too. I go, oh, Lord, 
she's here today. God help me. Oh, gee, she comes. to, I, hey, it's not time to let the devil get a hold of you. It's not time for you to speak some evil to someone. I'm not talking about just rolling over and playing dead and then letting, letting someone run all over you. But I'm talking about looking at them and smiling and say, you know what? You don't have to. You don't have to talk to me that way, but I'm here to tell you, whatever you're going through, if you're going through a rough day, in fact, you know what? I, let, let, me, let me say this. I, I've had recently a few people that, at work who, who um, the Lord I know placed in front of me for such a time as this that I would pray for them. And I've had many times in my past when I prayed for God to send someone to me. Well, God, I want to be used. I want to be used, Lord. Make me useful for your glory. Make me useful for your kingdom. I, 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 want, to, I want to pray for someone. Let them get the Holy Ghost. And then when it came down to it and I was out in the, out among the crowds and I was, had the opportunity to pray for someone and I knew and I felt it. I felt God tell me, pray for them. But then I was too scared to do it. And I said, well, I'll just pray for them in my heart. Lord, touch them. Lord, Lord, help them. So here recently in the last, I say maybe a few weeks, couple months, I've had a couple opportunities where um, some people have come up to me and I, I really didn't know the details of what was going on, but I knew that it was just another classic example of the devil wreaking havoc in a life and in a family. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Exact opposite of what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to bring life and hope and peace and to give you something that you didn't deserve, eternal life with him. And so this one nurse that I work with, uh, she's one of the best. And I, you know, she, she's always just really focusing on point. And she came into work and about had a meltdown just all of a sudden I, I was at the computer and she came up behind me and she just kind of let out a scream and and she just went like this and I and I was like what is going on I turned around and I, I and I was afraid to ask someone because I was like well it's personal I don't want to get involved in all that stuff I don't want to or just let, let her take a break let her come back so I did that and the Lord convicted me and a couple hours later, she did come back. I don't know what specifics is, are going on, but she came back, and, and I went up to her before the end. Of, I was walking out, actually. I was about to leave work, and I went up to her, and she was there. And I said, are you okay? And she said, and I said, is there anything I can do? Fully expecting her to say no, because I don't know what I would do. And she shook her head no again. And I said, um, well, um, and then I hesitated. And so I, I finally worked it up and I, I prayed a quick prayer to myself. I said, God, such a time as this, this is, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm here for today. And I said, well, I'll be praying for you. And I was proud of myself. And then I said, no, that's not good enough. So I looked at her and I said, do you want me to pray for you right now? And she's tears just started pouring down her face. 
And I said, come over here. I pulled her away from the nurse's desk, just around the corner. And she stood right in front of me, fully expecting me to just lay my hands on her. So I laid my arm on her shoulder and I said, in Jesus' name. She just started bawling. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know the crisis. Her problems in the family. I don't, I don't know what it was. A death in the family, marital problems, who knows what. Just, just normal, normal life, devil wreaking havoc. And she just started bawling. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know where she is right now. You know where Casey is. Touch her right now with your power. Let your spirit fall on her right now. You haven't left her, Jesus. You know where she is. She's special to you. Lord, fill her up, God. Give her your spirit. Let her, let her receive what you have for her. And that is hope. There's never too, too, too far too much sin. You're never too far gone that you don't have hope. And I just prayed for probably about three minutes, which was a long prayer for right there in the emergency room. And she's just bawling. And after that, she came up and hugged me and she said, thank you so much. And a few days ago, she came up to me and she said, and just in the biggest smile and better spirit, she said, you don't know what you did for me. And the truth is, I don't. But I know that I obeyed God. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if we'll have the boldness to go up to someone and say, you know what? I don't have the answer, but I know who does. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over you and your situation right now. Folks, we will see miracles, signs, and wonders follow us because we have enough faith and boldness to step out and lay hands on someone and believe that God listens to our prayers. What did he say? He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What does that mean? That means that out of me, when I have enough faith to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, not by my works, not by my hand, but by the power of God, I want, Lord, touch whatever situation right now. Devil, I command you, you have to leave. You do not have power over them any longer. In the name of Jesus, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So if... Acts chapter 2 happened, and it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Hallelujah. If that happened over 2,000 years ago, then what should we be experiencing right now? If the Holy Ghost was poured out then, if they experienced it for the first time then, how much more? What does a double portion mean to you tonight? How much more should we be getting an infilling of His presence tonight? Joel said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm talking about a double portion, folks. We're the generation of the double portion. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Devil, I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to whisper in my ear that I'm not good enough anymore. I, I have battled this too long. I am a child of the King. I have been bought and paid for. I am walking into the resurrecting power of Jesus. I'm going to let His light shine through me. I put on, you say, the devil's firing darts at me. He's attacking me. Then what do you do? You hold up the shield of faith. And you say, no longer. He's not going to get me this time. I've, I've done been defeated too many times. But this time, thanks, thanks be to God for keeping me. This time, devil, it's over. This time, I'm declaring war on you. You no longer have the right. 
to my mind, to my family, in the name of Jesus and in the authority of the Word of God. I'm claiming victory over every obstacle that I'm going through. We got to learn to listen to the voice of God when it speaks to us. You say, well, I don't, I mean, a, a double portion, how, how do I get it? How, how do I hear more? How, how do I, how does God talk to me more? Honey, it's, it's a matter of devotion and time. I, I, I understand tough schedule, but unfortunately we can only make so many excuses anymore. It's not time for excuses. It's time for us to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to make time to talk to God today. I'm going to wait expectantly for the Lord. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to keep praying and expecting. I'm going to go and lay hands on the sick and believe that God is the healer. Yeah. Cancer is no different than a cold to the King of Kings. You say, well, I've never seen him heal someone of it. Well, maybe you ought to start having a little more faith and he might work through your hands. I, I, I will tell you I, I personal story. I have uh, was in a surgery one time and the, uh, the young man had shattered his, his arm in pieces, motorcycle accident. And it was in so many pieces, there was no way it was coming together. There, there was no way. I mean, I, you know, we can fix so many fragments, and, but it, it just was not working. We were in there. It's been, I don't know, six, seven hours. I was exhausted. I was about to fall asleep, and I said, oh, Jesus, I'm so tired. Please just let him get this so we can get out of here. And all of a sudden, I heard them say, what happened? I looked down, and all of a sudden, the bones just went... Phew. I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. And I didn't even pray for it the way I should have been praying. My motive wasn't the same as it should have been. But I said, in Jesus' name. And I watched a healing occur. And the doctors looked up and went, what just happened? And the other one said, screw it, hurry, screw, put a screw in. They couldn't get it. But I know the great physician. I know the name that's above every name. I know the name that makes demons tremble. The name that makes sick bodies be healed. Do you know the name? Are you a part of the generation? Do you want a double portion tonight? It's time for us to get more than we've ever had. If you have a need tonight, I admonish you to come forward. Let the man of God lay hands on you. And you have enough faith that God hears your prayers and he will answer them tonight. There's no need to tarry anymore. There's no need to live in darkness and fear and anxiety anymore. If you have depression, anxiety, I'll go ahead and say it. Diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer, whatever, kidney failure. You've got a, a, a wound. You've got kidney, you've got whatever, heart failure. You've had a heart attack. The doctors say they can't do anymore. I know the doctor who can. I know the one who can do anything. I know the one who specializes in impossible. And it's time for us to believe more than we ever have. If you believe it, come forward right now. This is the generation. This is the time. This is the place for you to get what you need. No more will I be afraid, devil. No more am I going to cower in fear. No more am I going to stand aside and just be satisfied with crumbs. No, Jesus, I want a double portion. Fill me up, God, till I'm just saturated in your presence. Anoint me, Jesus, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Increase my capacity so that I can have more. Thank you, God. If you have a need, I want you to come forward. Pastor is going to lay hands on you. Whatever you have need of, he's big enough. He's big enough. This is the time right now. Let's pray.